Okay, uh, fans of The Dad Presents, we got a special one for you today. We got Dr. Joe Jorgensen. She is candidate for president of the United States for the Libertarian Party. Doctor, thanks so much for joining us. How you doing? Oh, glad to be here. Thanks so much. Yeah, so um, I bet your schedule's been pretty crazy over the last week since you got that nomination. Oh, my gosh. Well, I think it's been a couple of weeks, but yeah. it's kind of, kind of like the movie. You know, if this is Tuesday, it must be Belgium. That's what it's been right. like the last few, uh, few weeks. <laughs> right. Um, so let's let's talk about what's going on right now. Um, so from a libertarian point of view, I know most libertarians, they don't love the police. They don't like anything where a governing body exerts its will on the people. And right now we have a situation where Black Lives Matter is calling for the abolition of, of police force. And they might do that in Minneapolis. Um, what's, first of all, what's your take on that? And in the absence of a police force, what then? Well, I'd like to point out first and foremost that crime and police uh, are local issues and the federal government needs to stay out of it. And part of what has caused this problem has been federal intervention. And a, a lot of people don't realize that the federal government is arming these police forces with tanks, paramilitary right. equipment, money, training. And you know what? When you have that stuff lying around, you're more likely to use them. And right. these, uh, these police forces probably would not have them if they had to pay for them themselves. You know, if you take Minneapolis, if they had a referendum, hey, do you want your property taxes to go up so we can, you know, renovate the school or buy a new swimming pool for the, um, for the high school? People might say, yeah, sure. If you said, okay, uh, do you want to raise your property taxes so we can buy a tank? Right. <laughs> they probably would not agree to that. But what happens is their tax money is taken and given to the federal government, mm -hmm. and the federal government comes back and Minneapolis, Atlanta, you know, all the cities and comes back and says, hey, you want a free tank? <laughs> you want some free money to buy other military equipment? Uh, do you want free training? And add that to the no-knock laws, and we just have... Oh, boy. You know, it's it, it's just getting out of control. Now, it's to answer your more direct question, which I believe, you know, more direct question about what to do now about the policing, I'm glad I'm running for president and not, uh, you know, the local police commissioner in, in some of these cities. Because as president, my job is to stay out of it unless the governor needs the help and specifically asks me for help. The only time a president should get involved in something like this is when people's rights are being violated. So, for instance, George Wallace standing, standing on the steps of the university, um, not allowing blacks to enter. The federal government absolutely needed to be involved there because rights were being violated. But as far as hiring a police force, that's a local issue. And sure. part of our problem with government is that that we've got government has gotten so large and has gotten in each other's business that now we're here and I would help put a stop to that. Right. And you're right. The, the militarization of the police, that's, that's a giant problem. And it, it wasn't always that way. I mean, this is a new thing. So yeah, yeah I'd love to see that turn back. Now, you know, I, I work in Compton every day. I'm sympathetic to the, the plight of black people. I see their struggles. But I, when I look at this problem, and I, I don't want to look at it and be insensitive because I see their struggles, but I see what's going on in America as a struggle between the elite 
and the rest of us. And they, I feel they pit us against each other with identity politics and get us fighting with each other, the government, the politicians, the media. And while that's happening, they're stealing $4 billion away from us in, in the form of a bailout. And um, would you agree with that? And if so, like, how do we, how do we turn the message and get everybody to see that it's, we're all on the same team and, mm -hmm. and they're after all of us? Yeah, and not only are they pitting the uh, you know elites against everybody else, but we've got this false dichotomy of Republicans versus Democrats, right. where they're saying um, you need to be a Republican because of uh, those Democrats. Look at bad Nancy Pelosi, and then the Democrats are saying you have to be a Democrat because bad Donald Trump. Both are for big government. Both are for spending more money. Both are for taking away our rights. And, mm -hmm. you know, when I first became a libertarian, I used to say that we take the best of the Republicans, the economic freedoms, and the best of the Democrats, which would be the personal freedoms, and put them together. Now you can't say that anymore. No, they don't stand for those things. They don't have either of those. So mm -hmm. basically, you're on the red team or you're on the blue team. And it's it's just a matter of you're rooting for a team, not for any principle or any purpose. Right. They, they, they both stand for big government and they both stand for repressing your freedoms. They, they vote 100 to nothing on all those significant issues. Yeah. So it's yeah, that might have applied 20 years ago. It doesn't apply anymore. Um, so one thing I, I used to consider myself to be liberal, let's say 15 years ago, because I, I felt like liberals they were anti-war. I yeah. felt like they stood. I felt like they did stand for freedom, like gay rights and mm -hmm. and and things of that nature. But that was a ruse because they only stand for freedoms when it's convenient for them. Um, one thing oh, I think. Do you mind if I interrupt real quick? Sure, 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 sure. Okay. First of all, and I noticed you said about fifteen years ago. Did you realize that in twenty twelve, Barack Obama and Hillary Clinton both said they were against gay yes. marriage. Yes. That, mm -hmm. that was only eight years ago. Right. And, and I've had young people say, well, what, what, what do you mean Obama's against gay marriage? Why? And I say, because they're more interested in getting votes right. than in people's freedom. And most recently, when you were talking about anti-war, um, look at what they did to Tulsi Gabbard. Mm. You know, the, the leaders of the party up her side and said, we don't want to hear from you. War yeah. is big business. It's profitable. We're going into war. Shut yep. up and sit in the corner. Yeah, they, they labeled her a Russian asset. They're probably going to try to do the same thing to you, honestly. Yeah. <laughs> I, I hope to get big enough that they try to do that. <laughs> yeah. I, hope I, I hope I get big enough to where they know how to spell my name, yeah. Yeah, you will. It's going to happen. So I, I think one thing that could rec recruit more uh, liberals to the libertarian point of view is liberals seem to feel like we got to help the little guy which is a, a noble point of view, got to help the little guy, help the, the least among us. But what I don't think they grasp is that big government, the laws of big government, the regulations, they're written by the big corporations. They only help those big corporations. They don't help the little guy. They hurt the little guy. So how, right. can, we, how can we like shape that narrative? Because nobody seems to grasp that. Well, I'm hoping to shape it. Something that I, this would be amusing if it weren't so sad. During the shutdown, which again, largest attack on our liberty, largest assault on our liberty in my lifetime, um, uh, we had essential services and non-essential services, right? So essential services, they got to keep working, they got to keep getting paid. Uh, I heard a report that some lobbyists 
uh, went to the government and said that they were essential services because they write the laws for the Congress people. Huh. And if they weren't there, then the Congress people couldn't write laws. And I thought, how blatant. You know, it's like, maybe you better hide, you know, maybe it'd be better to not get a paycheck for four months than to just be so blatant and explain how you're the ones writing, you know, the special interests are writing the laws, not the Congress people. So um, absolutely. And, you know, I work at uh, on a college campus. I'm a senior lecturer. And, you know, they've got all the little, you know, the Bernie Booth and the, you know, mm-hmm. all, all of that every couple of years. I've gone through a couple of cycles. And I thought to myself, okay, now, you know, I am a person of, author- of authority, so I don't want to just trample them. But, you know, I don't want to get too political with students because, you know, just it, it doesn't look right. So I thought, well, what if a Bernie supporter comes up to me and says, hey, you know, join the movement. Do you want to, you know, do you want a Bernie pin? And I thought, you know what a perfect reply would be to one of these students is to say, no, because I'm for the little guy. <laughs> because if you're for Bernie. That'll, that'll throw them for a loop. They won't know yeah, what to do with that. Yeah. You know, first of all, it would make them think. Uh, but yes, they don't realize that with Bernie wanting bigger government, it's the people with that money in Washington who have the power, not the little guy. Money is power. The only way for the little guy to have power is for the little guy to have that money. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'm a small business owner and I I figured that out for myself with all the regulations and hoops I had to jump through to try to keep up with the the bigger corporations. And I I had a friend today who just uh, messaged me and she's, she's a liberal and she was very frustrated because her hair salon was shut down until two days ago, but Starbucks was open. And then she was like, well, if coffee is essential, why couldn't I sell coffee at my hair salon? And I'm like, well, now you're starting to get it. Why can't you sell coffee at your hair salon? Um, You you mentioned the lockdowns. Uh, Absolute atrocity uh, perpetrated upon America, which we're going to feel for a very long time. How would you have handled it differently? Two things. Well, okay. Overall, I would not put all of our citizens under house arrest. And in fact, if I can add a personal note to it, uh, one of my grandfathers immigrated from Sweden because he wanted to come to the land of the free, home of the brave, you know, freedoms in our country. And yet during the coronavirus, well, we're we're all locked down. The people in Sweden are allowed to go to school, go to restaurants, mm-hmm. go to clothing stores. So um, it's just rather ironic that he came from that country to this country looking for freedom and look who wasn't free uh, this time around. Two big mistakes that President Trump made. First of all, with the FDA. Up until 1962, drugs only had to prove they were safe. Companies had to prove that their drugs were safe. After 1962, they had to prove efficacy, that they actually did what they said they would do. Now, that sounds like a noble cause, but that is what costs so much time and money getting drugs and testing to the market. So if I were President Trump, what I would have done is through the Emergency Powers Act, get rid of the efficacy requirement and get those testing kits out there because there were over 60, that's six zero, 60 testing company or companies with testing kits. The FDA originally only approved two. So that means that the rest of those testing kits were going all over the world helping the other countries. And we kept hearing about um, 
countries in you know Europe and South Asia that were doing better testing. Yeah, they were doing better testing with our testing kits, American-made testing kits that we couldn't even have. The second thing I would have done is I could not believe I heard him. I, I saw him say this was at a press conference. He said, "You only need to get tested if you have symptoms. Do not get tested if you don't have symptoms." Well, at the time the experts were saying that 60 to 80% of people with the virus had no symptoms right. or that they were very mild. So here he is saying, don't get tested. You could be sick. You could go out there, spread it to everybody else, not know it. And then they might uh, be asymptomatic and they'd spread it to other people as well. So what he should have done is he should have said, everybody get tested as soon as possible because I have cleared it through the FDA. And if you have it, stay home. Only go out there if uh, you're safe to do so. And then uh, we wouldn't have lost tens of millions of jobs. And sure. some of these jobs are never coming back. You're right. So what you're saying is the, the FDA, who, who we give all this power to protect us because mm -hmm. of all the regulations they build, and, and it becomes, they become like a self-feeding organization that they have to make rules to keep themselves alive. They hurt us with the regulations. Yes. In fact, you brought up a good point about self-feeding. If, if you look at it this way, let's say you're an FDA employee and you have to decide should this drug make it to the market or not. If you make a mistake because um, let's say it does work, it is safe, but you're still a little unsure, so you don't approve it, the general public doesn't know about it. The company does, mm -hmm. uh, but you're nice and safe. Right. Now, what if you make the other mistake? Like it's you're not in trouble. Good, or it's not, yeah. then, then you lose your job. Every, well, actually, you don't lose your job. That's part of the problem is we don't have accountability in government. But then everybody knows about it. So it's in the FDA's best interest, the employees of the FDA, to be overly risk-averse. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Yep, no good. Um, what about um, moving forward? Oh, wait, with sorry, can, I, can I add one more point to that? Sure, sure, sure. Before 1962, when they, people didn't have to prove efficacy, typically drugs that didn't work were off the market within a few months because doctors and patients realized they didn't work. So we're adding that for nothing. Oh, so you mean the, the free market actually would work? The, the, <laughs> what a surprise. Yes, yeah. the free market would work. And the free market did a faster job of getting these uh, drugs off the market than the FDA did. What about um, moving forward with coronavirus? You know, we're going to go into round two of this soon. Um, and all these ideas of like uh, contact tracing. I'm, I'm not super comfortable with that. Um, but I feel like the government's probably already tracing us anyway. Uh, how do you feel about contact tracing? You know, I've been against the government keeping tabs on us in the healthcare industry for decades. And I will never forget. I wish I could remember which politician said this. I believe it was a Democrat. But when, when they were talking about putting all of our health records into the big computer in the sky, so that regardless of which emergency room or which doctor you went to, they'd have access to all of your medical records. And I remember a politician saying, well, I like that idea. That way I can go to any doctor and I know they have my information. And I thought, well, you know what? 
if you like that idea, then you can do that privately. You know, right. you can sign up for a private company that offers that. Somebody like me, I don't want that. How about giving us the choice for what we want? So no, I'm against all government spying. It's it's just gotten ridiculous. It's mm -hmm. it it's been out of hand for decades. It's only coming to light now because it's something that's gaining more attention in the media. Yeah. But is there any is there any way really to dial it back at this point? Is that even possible? Electing a libertarian to president, it would. So and you, and you could dial that back? I could dial that back. I would immediately on the first day uh, release all nonviolent prisoners, or not prisoners, but uh, it, people who supposedly committed a crime in which there was no crime. For instance, uh, peaceful drug users, people engaged in sex work, gambling, simple possession of a gun. If there is no victim, there is no crime. Mm -hmm. I would let them out. I would slash the military budget. Even if we cut two-thirds of our military budget, we would still be tied for the largest spending in military in the world. There is no reason to have that. I would turn America into one giant Switzerland, armed and neutral. And I would tell the, the Congress, look, do not give me a budget that's not balanced. Do not give me a budget that's not smaller than previously because I won't sign it. If we get the dollars and the money out of government and we start closing down these agencies, then we won't have that. And by the way, I would also close down, yes, the CIA, the NSA, and all those other alphabet soup companies, uh, or, or departments rather. Now, I, I do think that we need military intelligence, of course, but I would put that in the military. Uh, the, the CIA, kind of in your words, you were saying, are we too far gone? I think the CIA, with all of their, um, you know, with the history, with the reputation, I think that's beyond repair. So, but a lot of those functions we don't need anyway. Yeah, I agree 100%. So you, you mentioned letting out nonviolent criminals. So that, that takes us back to Black Lives Matter, right? And right. I don't understand why, if you okay. want to help black people, right? If you want to help all minorities, nobody's making the case that the one thing we could do right now that would help them the most is to decriminalize marijuana, decriminalize all the drugs. Like, why is nobody making that case? People have no idea just how racist the drug laws are. Um, they weren't written to be racist. Well, most of them. Some of them actually were. When when they will, you know, some some uh, places uh, have a stiffer penalty for drugs that blacks tend to use as opposed to whites. For crack instance, cocaine. crack cocaine versus cocaine. Exactly. Uh, and I'd like to point out that Milton Friedman pointed out that if cocaine weren't illegal to begin with, we would never have had crack cocaine, which is much more addictive than cocaine. Sure. Because economically, it wouldn't make sense. It would so, have been so expensive. Yeah. Exactly. So first of all, you've got built-in penalties for you know the white drugs versus the black drugs. But secondly, the enforcement. Uh, people, uh, the, the police forces do go after black drug users at a much greater rate than the white drug users. So it's a very racist policy. And a lot of people don't realize that the, the government has institutionalized racism into the government back since uh, when they freed the slaves, uh, mm -hmm. even up through Rosa Parks. Um, May, may I mention my Rosa Parks story? Because sure. I'm, I'm sure most people have heard of Rosa Parks. They know that she was the heroic woman who, when asked to sit on the back of the bus, because blacks were required to sit on the back of the bus, she said, nope, not going to sit there. Sounds like a libertarian. Well, 
Yes. Now, <laughs> what a, now, what a lot of people don't realize is that that bus was government-owned and government-run. So let's look at the free market solution and, and let's, let's modernize it. Let's take it to today. So you've got Uber and Lyft. Um, what if Uber and Lyft discriminated against their customers the way the government-run bus discriminated against Rosa Parks? And keep in mind, uh, 60 to 70% of the bus ridership at the time uh, were blacks. So imagine you discriminated against 60% of your customers. You would go out of business as well as you should. That's the beauty of the free market is people have to work to get your business. They have to earn your money. They don't simply take it and buy stuff with it that you don't want, like military tanks. You like how I took that full circle there? Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. Yeah. The the big government does not – it doesn't keep people – safe it, it keeps them repressed with with that was a perfect example um you mentioned the the military and how you would defund the military and that's been my biggest issue for 20 years right is as getting making a smaller military stopping these wars however i'm conf- i find myself conflicted recently and i, I want to see how you feel about this it seems like the american dollar is doomed I mean, I don't see any other way, but it's doomed. The only thing that makes it worth anything right now is that the entire world uses it. If we defund our military, what's to stop China or the European Union or somebody to come up with a new world currency and basically put us all into poverty here? Well, libertarians and I am for free market currency anyway. Part of the problem, and, and of course... When we left the gold standard, that created huge problems because now the treasury can just print money and basically it's a tax that was not voted for. It's a tax that people don't know was passed because now their money is worth, worth less. So we've got retirees who all of a sudden their money doesn't go as far and it's hard for them to go back into work. We've got people have to stretch their dollar further. So instead of having a monopoly on money, which most people think monopolies are bad, how about let's have free market money? Let's have Bitcoin, cryptocurrency, trade in gold coins. Let people trade in any currency they want to trade in. And then they're not under the whims of Congress. Uh, they, they have something that they can plan for better because they can follow the market and use a money that they trust. And, you know, if people want to take foreign currency in this country, fine. If it, it's up to the buyer and the seller. And, you know, we heard about how in decades past, how people would bring chickens to their doctor's payment for their uh, services. If you want to deal in chickens as your currency, that should be your right. Uh, I got four of them in the back, so that works for me. Oh, really? That's awesome. <laughs> um, <laughs> so if so, you have a medical emergency. <laughs> yeah, right. Um, so Joe Biden pledged to uh, pick a, a woman vice president, right? A yeah. L- little bit of pandering there. But uh, libertarians didn't do that, but here we are, right? Is there any possibility of some of these feminist movements getting on board with Dr. Joe Jorgensen? I sure hope so. And we are ecstatic because, first of all, we're getting more volunteers at a faster rate than we ever thought possible. But secondly, a lot of them are not libertarians. Traditionally, uh, 
the libertarians flocked to help the presidential uh, campaign. And when we ask on the little forum, you know, why do you want to help us? Usually people say, well, I'm a libertarian. I like to help the candidate. This time people are saying, I want to see Joe Jorgensen president. Yeah. You know, two, two older rich white guys. I want a real choice. So hopefully this can be a movement. And you're correct. I was not chosen because I'm a woman. In fact, people called me the underdog. I, I was against probably 10 other uh, males mm -hmm. in the in the final you know few months. And uh, people said I came out of nowhere. So no, I was not chosen because I'm a woman. Right. No. Uh, but I think of, it will help. <laughs> yeah. Speaking of the other candidates, so uh, he dropped out. But for a while, the, the front runner was just Justin Amash. Yeah. And I saw him. I, I was curious. I saw him. I went on. He was on one of those Sunday talk shows. And basically, he presented to the world that his his big campaign was, you should vote for me because I'm not one of the other two guys. And right. that's not going to get it done. Like, in a third party, you need to make a splash. You need to have, you need to make people passionate about you. So what is like, what is your go-to issue? What is your thing that you, you use to drive people for you? So I've got three issues. One of them we already talked about. Bring the troops home, turn America into one giant Switzerland, armed and neutral. Second one is health care. If there's one message I could get out to every American, it's that we do not have a free market system. I've heard so many Democrats say, well, see, look, the free market doesn't work. We have to go to single payer. No, we don't have a free market system, and we haven't since at least World War II. And if we went to a free market system, we could... Um, we, prices would go down. And if you don't mind, real quick, let me add, within the medical field, there are two specialties which are more free market than the others, and that's cosmetic surgery yep. and LASIK surgery. In both of those fields, prices have gone way down, quality has gone way up, because the doctors have to compete for your business. So I would like to see all doctors have to compete for our business. Heart surgeons, knee surgeons, family practice. You know, uh, car dealerships have to compete for your business. Computer, deal, you know, computer makers, grocery stores, gas stations, they all have to give you a good product for the best price. Why shouldn't doctors have to compete? Um, and then the last thing is the environment. And as always, the libertarian solution is the best. If you look at a globe of the world, if you look at you know, a map of the world, wherever there's big government, there's big pollution. Wherever there's more freedom, there's less pollution. Yep. Yep, those are those are three good issues. I, I think any one of those people could latch on to. I, my my primary field is healthcare, and oh, I can okay. yeah, and I could tell you that that Medicare people love Medicare, old people love Medicare, but what they don't realize is Medicare is driving the cost of everything through the roof exactly. and providing tons of inefficiencies. It's it's basically garbage. But and, and you make another excellent point because if you look at when the prices started going up. It started going up when we instituted Medicare and Medicaid. It's when government started throwing money around without worrying about the cost that the prices started to skyrocket. Absolutely. Right. Yep. So sure they, yeah, sure, sure they provide the services supposedly free, but they're the ones that drove up the cost to begin with. Exactly. I mean, that's why people feel they need Medicare is because the prices are outrageous, but it's a one fueled the other. Um, one thing I heard you talk about on another show is that you, and this, this might scare people, so I want to bring it up and let you uh, 
let you explain it. You talk about ending social security and I'll, I'll say, I'm, I'm with you on that. Um, but how do you get rid of it without screwing the people who have already paid into it? Like people who are already on it, number one, they're dependent on it. And people like me who have paid into it for 25 years, like what happens there? Absolutely. So we talked about my nomination and we believe that one of the reasons that I got the nomination instead of the guy who came in second was the guy who came in second just said, abolish it, get rid of it without really a practical solution, whereas I'm offering a practical solution. So first of all, have an immediate opt out. So if you're younger, 20, 30s, just opt out. You, you know that the money's not going to be there anyway. It's a broken system. And you get to instead put that money away where you want it put away. Now, people have been paying into it, especially retirees. You know, we've got people who put into it for 50, 60 years, and and, and they had no choice. Mm -hmm. That money was taken out before their check was even printed. With them, we would sell government assets, for instance, downtown office buildings, mineral rights, water rights, whatever, and we would give them their money back. We would say, you know, here's what you, you know, if you had put the money away into retirement, here's what your money would be worth, because we know it didn't go into a lockbox. Right. <laughs> Instead, it went to pay for all these other things. So we're going to sell all these other things that your money was spent on, give you the money back, and now you're in control of your uh, retirement. Awesome. Again, not, not the whims of Congress, because Congress, they're dependent on cost of living, they're dependent on not printing more money, and so if they're given uh, retirement, which they could you know, put into gold if they wanted to, uh, they could have the retirement that they have control over. I love that. Now, would that just be for people who are already on Social Security or for anyone who's paid into it? Oh, yeah. No, if you've paid into it. Um, and, and I don't have an exact cutoff point, but yeah, somebody who's paid into it for 20 years, of course, they, you know, they should get something. Uh, but but the, the people who get the full amount, of course, are the ones who are already there. Uh, there are a couple of different uh, uh, ideas out there. And since I can tell that, you know, you said how you went to Justin Amash, so you're looking for information, that Cato, um, Cato has a solution called the 6.2% solution, which you can look at it. Um, the one about selling assets more comes from my running mate from 1996, Harry Brown, when he was the presidential running mate. So, you know, there are maybe three different ways we could do this and different cutoff points. And I'm not so concerned about exactly where the cutoff point is. My concern is people who paid into the system need to get something back yeah, and people yeah. are just entering the system or maybe who haven't put that much money into, we're giving them the freedom to leave the, the system right away. Yeah. With, I mean, with or without that plan, like the government selling assets makes sense. Why is the government owning assets anyway? Exactly. And, but you know what? Somebody who's, let's say, 28 years old, um, even if we said, okay, you're not getting any Social Security dollars because you've only paid in for 10 years, if they started putting money into their own retirement and just gave up the 10 years worth of Social Security, they would, still be better, they would still be better off than yep, if yep. they stayed in a broken system until they were 70 years old. Yep. All right. Yeah. Terrific. Dr. Joe, I, I know you, uh, I know you're a, a busy, busy woman and uh, your campaign manager asked me to keep it to about a half hour. I thank you so much for your time. You've been very gracious and I'll be voting for you. We've got, uh, we, we've got 70,000 fans. I'm going to tell them to vote for you. I hope they do. Um, and maybe we can get you back in a couple more months and talk about it again. Uh
Yeah, I'd love to. And uh, please tell them to go to joj2020.com and we'd love their help. We, we need to turn this into a movement so people have a real alternative, not the fake alternative that we see now. Absolutely. J, what is that? J-O-J-2020? Yep, dot com. All right. All right, guys. You get there. All right. Thank you so much. Thanks for your time. Great. Have a good evening. You too. Bye-bye. Okay.